once you learn something, you can't unlearn it. You learn that you don't need sugar all the time, or you learn that eating more fat isn't just going to make you fat mysteriously. I think that those lessons are kind of the biggest and most important. This is episode number 39 with practical paleo author, Diane Sanfilippo. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Julie Fouché, medical student and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring to you information and inspiration from experts and everyday individuals for how to use lifestyle to maximize health. Thank you so much for joining me. Now let's get started with this week's episode. Welcome back to Pursuing Health. This week, I have another nutrition-packed episode for you. I was excited to sit down with Diane Sanfilippo, who's the two-time New York Times bestselling author of Practical Paleo, as well as the 21-Day Sugar Detox and co-author of Mediterranean Paleo Cooking. She also co-hosts the Balanced Bites podcast every week along with Liz Wolf. I first met Diane a couple years ago when we spoke together about health and fitness for media professionals at NBA All-Star Weekend. I was excited to catch up with her more about her background, nutrition challenges, and paleo for the average CrossFit athlete in this episode. Before we get started, I have a few quick reminders. First, if you're enjoying the podcast, please head over to iTunes where you can subscribe and consider giving it a five-star rating. Please also head to my website, juliefouché.com, where you can enter your email to stay in the loop with the podcast and everything else I'm doing with my bi-weekly newsletter. I'm also always looking for inspiring stories to share. So if you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send your story to me at info at juliefouché.com and I'll select some to share here on the podcast in future episodes. If you're interested in training with me, check out my program through Beyond the Whiteboard. This is the actual training I do now, five days per week, one hour per day, scheduled out for you minute by minute from warm up to cool down. We also have a train on the go program that's perfect for helping you get your workouts in on vacation or just during a busy week at home. For more info or to try the programs out yourself, visit beyondthewhiteboard.com slash Julie Fouché. Also, please remember that although I'm nearing graduation from medical school, this podcast is meant to share the experiences of individuals and does not provide medical advice. So with that, let's get started here on episode 39 of Pursuing Health featuring Diane Sanfilippo. Back to Pursuing Health. I am here with Diane Sanfilippo, and we are going to talk about all things nutrition today. I get a lot of requests to talk about more nutrition on the podcast, so I'm very excited to have you today. Thanks for having me. Um, <laughs> it's the beginning of Fleet Week training here in San Francisco, so uh, you know we're not in studios, so this right. is what happens. Hopefully, folks will be able to hear just fine. Yeah, we have a little added extra excitement in the background. Yeah. Um, so I was hoping maybe we could just start off with some of your background and how you got into nutrition in the first place and then kind of how you got to where you are today. So like long background, uh, in high school, I was an athlete. So I played soccer, um, varsity soccer since probably freshman year and, um, volleyball as well. And I, you know, I ate and trained like an athlete pretty much my whole life. That's what I knew. I have always identified as an athlete and got to college and not surprisingly, as I'm sure lots of folks experience, you know, I was a team sports player. So I got right. to college and like my team wasn't there anymore. And so, 
And so I, the idea of going to the gym and just like running on the treadmill without a ball to run after or, Mm -hmm. you know, lifting weights, I had lifted weights all through high school just with the teams, but I, I just wasn't into it. It just didn't seem fun at all to me. And I didn't have really any kind of health or fitness goals around working out or exercise. And so I kind of let that stuff slip and I kept eating. I say I ate like an athlete. I mean, I ate like a freshman at right. Syracuse, you know, <laughs> wings and pizza and, and all that dorm stuff. food. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I ate salads. I've always been a salad crazy person, mm-hmm. but you know, I grew up eating healthy food, but I, I really didn't think about any of this stuff. Uh, throughout college mm-hmm. and gained quite a bit of weight. I probably gained about 30 pounds through college. And mm-hmm. so by the time I came out of that, I eventually kind of went to a doctor's appointment and was, you know, talked to about portion control. Mm-hmm. And it was this weird moment. I, I think I had, look, I have pretty good self-esteem and I'm sure I had really good self-esteem even when I gained the weight. Yeah. And so I didn't realize that it had happened. Um, and So that was kind of an aha moment for me. And even at the time, so this was back in probably about 2000 or 2001, Mm -hmm. I didn't really know what to do about it. You know, this nurse like just started to talk to me about it, but I, I didn't know what to do. I knew I should probably change what I'm eating and I knew I should probably work out, but I didn't really know what that meant. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but I didn't study nutrition in college. You know, Mm -hmm. I studied business and marketing. And so this wasn't my expertise. Um, and so I had to kind of figure it out. And I tried a lot of different things. It, you know, with it sounds kind of crazy to even say, but I talk about this a lot. Um, I started with kind of a Weight Watchers approach. I didn't join mm-hmm. Weight Watchers, but I was working with some women who were counting points. And so at least that taught me how to read labels and pay attention to what I was putting in my body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had this idea that fried food and soda were probably not a good idea. Um, but I, I really didn't know how to manage what I was eating in order to have some kind of positive result. And so eventually I did lose weight doing that. I was, um, you know, now eating paleo, we put the portobello mushroom as the bun Mm -hmm. around the burger. But at the time I was putting the portobello mushroom instead of a burger. Oh, right. (laughs) The 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 burger burger was was the bad part. part. (laughs) Just to kind of paint a picture of like where my mindset was with this stuff. So I really didn't know. I was just kind of cutting calories and all of that. So it worked to help me lose weight. I didn't really get healthier, though. And, and the things that I was dealing with were a lot of um, IBS issues, so digestive mm-hmm. upset all the time. Uh, I was dealing with uh, chronic sinus infections. Every time I would go to the dentist and the eye doctor, the prescription would get stronger and I would, would have more cavities that would be cropping up, stuff that people think is normal, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. but it's really not because since I've changed my nutrition, my prescription has been the same. I don't have new cavities. Like this stuff really isn't normal, but it's common. And so that's really kind of the the beginning of the journey for me with paying attention to nutrition. And eventually I did start working with a nutritionist. I was training for a half marathon and she was helping me kind of balance what I was eating. Mm-hmm. And eventually I got really into it. I got really into like, what does this athlete need for this type of training, this type of, um, height, weight, you know, what's your scenario? And I started a meal business called Balanced Bites. And that's where the name of my blog came from. And a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. So I know like Kettlebell Kitchen's out Mm -hmm. there now and Pete's Paleo and like all these meal businesses. But I was doing that back in 2007. It wasn't paleo, but (laughs) it was gluten-free, organic, grass-fed, all that great stuff. And I was balancing it um, for different people at first and then kind of um, on a larger scale. And so Mm -hmm. 
that was some of my background. And I found it really fascinating working with that nutritionist. But eventually I kind of like left most of what she taught me behind because mm -hmm. I stopped eating grains. And so, um, you know, fast forward a little bit, a couple of years into that, I started CrossFit. So I was probably back in 2010, early mm -hmm. 2010. And right around that time, Rob Wolf had been teaching CrossFit mm -hmm. certifications. So I learned about paleo from Rob, but I had been in nutrition school for several months ahead of time. Okay. And so what he was teaching, I was like, okay, I know, I knew about 70 to 80% of what he was teaching, but it was that extra 20 to 30%. Mm -hmm. It just kind of like flipped light bulbs on for me. Mm -hmm. um, I always had this hunch that we should eat like our ancestors. And I was thinking like our grandparents and great grandparents, I wasn't thinking like all of our ancestors. <laughs> and so that really flipped the switch for me. And I was like, this stuff makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, my blood sugar was so out of whack. You know, I was in the middle of Target and trying to shop for, you know, toilet paper and <laughs> whatever else. And I would just need a snack. You mm -hmm. know, I always joke, like I need a granola bar in the middle of the store because I couldn't make it an hour <laughs> without something. Right. I feel like we've all been there. Like we all went through that. Oh, you better have something on you. Um, and so when I learned that not eating all the sugary stuff would help that to stop, mm -hmm. it was seriously life changing for me. Like when I realized that that was making, uh, was perpetuating the problem, mm -hmm. it, it was just really life changing. So it wasn't even just about the grains and it wasn't just about, you know, anti-nutrients or any of the stuff that people get really, I don't know, kind of crazed about it was really just about how do I feel eating what I'm eating mm -hmm. and if I don't feel good eating this way what's another way to eat that's going to help me feel good um and so studied holistic nutrition started teaching people I mean I'm just gonna keep telling my story yeah you go for it <laughs> I started I started working with clients one-on-one. -on -one. The program I went to was a two-year program based here in Berkeley California I'm in San Francisco now mm -hmm. and um I went to a classroom here in Berkeley and after the first year, um, I was working with clients one-on-one, -on -one, but then a gym owner in Arizona contacted me. I think I'd been blogging for a while and I had, um, I'd been teaching different classes around San Francisco and she just contacted me and said, you know, I'd like you to come teach a seminar here. It was, hmm. <laughs> I mean, as a, as a business owner, I'm sure, you know, and as someone who gets lots of random business opportunities, I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> Why I not? just, I just said yes. I was like, what do you want me to teach? And she's like, I don't know, whatever you want to teach. <laughs> and so um, that was kind of the beginning of what then became, you know, more of the blog. I started teaching seminars around the country. I remember talking to Rob about it because he was teaching seminars. And um, there really weren't a lot of folks doing this, but people were really interested. Like mm -hmm. folks in the gym needed to learn how to eat better. And mm -hmm. a lot of coaches or, you know, talking about paleo, but didn't have much to say about it in terms of like why it's working. Mm -hmm. um, and so after a couple years of traveling the country, teaching seminars, and then also writing for my blog, I got to this point where, you know, I'm answering the same questions over and over again. And that's where Practical Paleo really came in because I'd written it originally as this kind of mini ebook that folks would get from the seminar. Okay. But I just kind of blew it up to what if I put everything that I teach in a seminar and then some in the mm -hmm. front and clinical meal plans from my education and experience with clients in the mm -hmm. middle and then recipes based on like what I've been cooking my whole life and from the meal business mm -hmm. in the back and just make it one place that people can get this information and people just kind of freaked out about it and have loved the book uh, ever since. And so that's kind of 
that's the short answer. I'm <laughs> sure you can believe it. But um, yeah, that's kind of how I got here, I guess. That's awesome. I love, I can totally relate to your story too of coming from high school sports and going into college because I had a very similar story and just knowing that, okay, I know I'm an athlete. I know I feel best when I'm working out or when I'm training, but I have no idea what to do. And yeah, I really didn't have any idea how to eat. And it did, I did fall into that same category of like, okay, I have to burn off all these calories. I need to go yeah. on the treadmill, the elliptical, whatever. And I think a lot of people have that same experience. Um, yeah. Another thing that I love that you have that you do is your 21 day sugar detox. <laughs> and right now I'm going, I'm starting, well, I'm actually love, guess, you mean like actually love or <laughs> <laughs> love, hate. no, yeah. I, I think it's so important regardless of how you do it for people to do some sort of a detox or some sort of a strict nutrition experience because yeah. I think that you learn so much about it. And I've done a few times, I guess the first time I did it was back in 2012, maybe. Um, that was when I first, I guess, really started committing to paleo. Um, uh, but now I'm right. doing another, just like 30 days just to be super strict to kind of dial things in again, because it's been a while. And since I've been not competing this year, I think it's harder, much harder to stick to the strict diet because it's easier to say yes to social opportunities and whatever else presents itself. Um, so we're doing it actually with my training program. We're doing it as a group. Again, I think another super important aspect of doing one of these challenges, mm -hmm. but I was hoping maybe you could talk about how that came about, what the, really what the role is of doing a challenge like that. So um, back to my story a little bit, um, because sugar was such an issue for me and because that was the biggest eye opener mm -hmm. was how sugar and refined foods, you know, refined like flours and grain products, how that stuff was affecting my blood sugar and, you know, if people have gone through my sugar detox, they've read my story, but if they haven't, after I did, I, I did this 21 day sugar. It was a 21 day sugar detox, but it wasn't like branded as such. It was mm -hmm. just some, I don't know, somebody else on the internet was like, I'm going to do this. And I was like, okay, what is she doing? Maybe I'll try it. You mm -hmm. know, um, just like any other, you know, like a paleo challenge or whatever. Right. And so, um, I did it. And after the last day, I remember like on day 22 or 23, I had this, I don't know, crazy candy binge. Like <laughs> I went to the candy store in my neighborhood. Uh -huh. And, but this, but you know, the, I have a point. The place <laughs> for the challenge is that I had this really bad reintroduction of sugar right after my challenge where my okay. body was kind of like squeaky clean. And I had this I don't know, gummy candy or whatever it was. And I'm not talking about a few sour patch kids. I'm talking about like probably more than a quarter of a pound of like mixed, you know, you go, yeah. listen, candy was my thing. And it's shocking that it is no longer. But um, I literally was in my apartment after eating that. I had spiked my blood sugar so hardcore and crashed it so hardcore that I actually thought I was going to pass out in my apartment to the point where I was like reaching for whatever was in my fridge at the time I, I was trying out raw milk. Mm -hmm. So I grabbed some raw milk and was chugging glasses of that because I was scared that I was going to just pass out by myself. It was like, the cat's going to be licking my face. <laughs> like I'm just going to be, I mean, this is like total freaky, like single girl moment. And so, um, but that experience, I was like, you know what? I don't think people realize that we are doing this to ourselves 
on a smaller scale Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what, this really helped me having a set of rules to follow and not have to think all the time about like, am I eating this? Am I not eating this? Um, And will this work or will it not work? That really helped me get through a few weeks of just like, not autopilot, you still have to make decisions, Mm -hmm. right? Like you said, there's social settings and different things that might come up. But it gave me something to use as like a checkpoint, you know, like, am I eating this or not? And so I found it really helpful personally. Um, I had folks asking about it. I had a lot of clients at the time who I basically was adjusting their nutrition and their meal plan that they were eating to something like that, you know, where they were eating a million small meals a day, lots Mm -hmm. of sugary things, lots of fruit. um, And I was scaling it back to something that was a little bit, uh, less carbohydrate, more protein, more fat, Mm -hmm. and they were feeling a lot better. And so I was like, you know what, I need to write this down. I need to put this into a program and create a list of foods that people are eating and not eating and just simplify it and make it really easy for people. Mm -hmm. And I did, and I released that in April of 2010. So it was, I don't think that the first version of it was paleo, Um, because I was teaching holistic nutrition. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. my background. It's not like I didn't learn about paleo and then start teaching about paleo. I Mm -hmm. have a holistic nutrition background. So um, that's why some folks may see like my 21 day sugar detox program has different levels because Mm -hmm. I also, um, I also want to meet people where they are. Like, I don't, I don't need everybody to go paleo to get healthier. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's kind of the it's kind of the big aha of the last four to six years of everybody who's going paleo and then realizing you might be able to add back things like white rice and mm-hmm. you're still healthy. It's okay. <laughs> right. Everyone's going to be okay. Um, but I created different levels because I wanted someone like, you know, your mom or your aunt to be able to do it and to not freak out that you've just taken everything away mm-hmm. or to have that be a barrier to entry. Like, well, if I can't have any of this, then I can't do it because a lot of people think that way. And I'm not trying to enable the the mindset of like, well, I can't do it because it sounds hard. But the reality is if somebody's eating a half a cup of whole beans or whole rice in a day and they were eating um, cereal for breakfast and sandwiches for lunch and pasta for dinner, they're going to get a heck of a lot healthier. And I'm not going to deny that, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to present them with a program that is overly harsh for no reason. Like there are definitely benefits to going strict paleo for that amount of time. Mm-hmm. But I think that. I think that people can get there, you know, and I've Mm -hmm. seen that with the 21 day sugar detox, people ask, well, what's next? And I have sort of guides for what is next, but Mm -hmm. we also have practical paleo and they're like, oh, okay, well, I guess I was eating mostly paleo because I kept seeing that on recipes I was trying, you know, Mm -hmm. so it introduces people without maybe scaring them away. Um, And so that's something that I found definitely has been really helpful. You know, I'm the type of person where I like having rules sometimes mm-hmm. and then sometimes and I'm getting the sense like sometimes when you're on a challenge and it's not maybe the right time for you you're just so resistant to it because it's not the right time right or just it just feels harder than it needs to be um and I think there's a lot that a lot that can be said about like when is it the right time for a challenge and are you trying to do a challenge over and over again for a reason that's not really valid mm-hmm. you know I don't know I mean yeah. What, how do you think that, what is like the appropriate way to use a challenge if, if, from your experience? I honestly think that the folks who do the best on a challenge are the ones who are feeling like they've had enough. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I think if you are, and it's not to be like, you need to be at a rock bottom to do a nutrition <laughs> challenge, but honestly, I, and it depends on your personality. So I don't know if you've seen any of the um, stuff that's circulating. I feel like Rob interviewed her on his podcast and then I did. And then it was like circulating this um, stuff from Gretchen Rubin, just about oh. like how you handle expectations. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like the outcome of the quiz when I did it because I came out as a rebel, which is really, <laughs> it's like really hard to figure out how to get me to want to do something mm-hmm. or to do something. And so um, for me, I have to feel in my gut, like, I really want this right now. Mm -hmm. Some people do really well with like a friend saying, let's do this. Mm -hmm. And they're going to oblige to that. And some people are just like, if they decide they're going to do it, they're, they're upholder and they're just going to like do it and they'll stick to the rules and they're rules followers. I'm not a rules follower. I've always (laughs) been who questions authority. And so I really think that um, you have to know yourself and know your personality and know how you handle things like expectations and rules. And if you're somebody who by nature shrugs off rules and is just like really resistant to that stuff or you're a questioner and you always want all of your questions answered and you need to find out answers before you can dive into something like if you haven't satisfied your why, mm-hmm. then starting a challenge is inevitably likely going to fail for you. And and people blame themselves or they blame the challenge. And I think it's both. Like, I think sometimes it's just you've chosen something that doesn't really match up with your real inner, like your real goal. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we just think, well, I want to do it because even though it's not a weight loss thing, maybe I'll lose weight. But at the end of the day, like you can't spend three weeks or a month or three months committed to a program if you don't really have some reason why you're doing it kind mm-hmm. of in your gut. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Oh yeah. I mean, you know that with training, right? Like you can't get on a training schedule for the games. If somebody were to give you a training schedule, that's games training mm-hmm. and you're not training for the games, you might get a week into it and be like, no, no, thanks. <laughs> because it's not. hard, right? right. Like, and, and unless there's, unless you have your real reason why you're doing it, Um, or that rock bottom or whatever Mm -hmm. it is that's like, I've had enough, I need to do something and I'm committing to this, inevitably it won't work, you know? Um, Or you're just lukewarm on it the whole time and, Mm -hmm. you know, it it may or may not really translate for you at the end. You may just go back to what you were doing and not take the lessons that were really intended to be learned from it. Absolutely. I think that's a really good point. And and I think a good point too about how everyone's a little bit different and how they approach it and what what sort of attracts them to the challenge. Um, What do you think are the biggest things that people end up taking? Say they're really committed, you know, they know they want to do it. They go through it full force. What are the biggest things that people, you see people take away from it? And then how do they use that as they transition into, you know, their everyday life? Yeah. I think some of the positives um, is just that people are cooking a lot more, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I am to a point, like I've been teaching this stuff for a long time and telling people what to eat, like at a certain point, I'm like, I don't feel like telling you what to eat anymore. I've (laughs) written books about it. I've, I've told everyone for years what I think (laughs) we should be eating. I need people to take responsibility. And what I see in a challenge is you're sort of forced into that. You're sort of forced into the planning and the prep and the cooking that a lot of folks really want to outsource. And at some point, sure, you know, you need meals one day. You know, I'm not saying we eat every meal at home, but 
getting people cooking to me, that's like hands down my favorite outcome of the program. Like whether or not people add certain things back in, Mm -hmm. whether they follow certain things thereafter, the fact that they have learned how to cook something and take care of themselves because it's like basic human, you know, skills that for whatever reason we didn't, we didn't have. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky to say that my parents were cooking, but that's one of them. Um, just an awareness level, you know, once you learn something, you can't unlearn it. Like, you know, you're in the gym. Once you learn that lifting weights doesn't instantly turn you from female to male, you know, like you're not, you're not going to lift weights. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm 220 pounds and like bulky. And like, once you really experience it and learn it, um, whatever it is, like you learn that you don't need sugar all the time, or you learn that eating more fat isn't just going to make you fat mysteriously. Mm -hmm. I think that those lessons are kind of the biggest and most important um, label reading, you know, getting people to just be more aware and take more responsibility. And I think personally, as my mission, regardless of whether it's nutrition or eventually I'm talking about, you know, business and personal development, but like getting people to take responsibility and getting people to be aware of themselves and what they're doing, Mm -hmm. I think is, um, it's just so important because then it translates into other things in life. Right. So we have folks who come to the sugar detox and, maybe they weren't exercising at all. And then they're starting to feel better. They have more energy or the people around them are all doing CrossFit and Mm -hmm. they're talking about it in the group. And they're like, well, should I try that? You know, Mm -hmm. so it opens people's eyes to these whole other worlds. And I think that that's, um, it's just really powerful from the community side too. You know, they have other people who are like-minded and they may not have that at home, Mm -hmm. but doing a challenge like this, whether it's in a gym, which that's great if it is, but if it's online, like, the, the greatest part about the internet is like an instant community of people who are like-minded that you may never have met. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if people can meet them in person, it's great. But I think it's just, um, yeah, I think all of those things really make a challenge kind of great, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I know even uh, like this is the first week we've been doing this one, my husband and I, we've already made new recipes and tried new yeah. things that we definitely would not have otherwise because, you know, it's when you don't set aside the time to do it, it just doesn't happen mm-hmm. and you kind of fall into your same habits. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And you've been referencing a lot, like, how maybe people don't need to go strict paleo or, you know, what whatever paleo might mean to you. Um, if someone's just starting out, maybe they're eating, like, a standard American diet right now and they know they need to, they're committed, they want to change their nutrition. Mm-hmm. Where do you recommend that they start? Like, so I think that's a really good question. And, um, you know, one of the things I did with the update to practical paleo, because yeah, it's called paleo. And I know some people get put off by that, but Mm -hmm. like so many people have this book and keep referring it to their friends. And so I guess it's not that off putting to that many people. I was, I remember four years ago, I was like, should I not call it paleo or people (laughs) not going to like that? Um, but one of the things I did in, the update, and this is, it's partially for the people who are already eating this way to help Mm -hmm. others. And it's partially because so many people recommend it to others. Um, but I created this guard, this guard, this guide to starting paleo. And it actually, you don't actually even have to eat paleo to follow this guide. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, I've been talking about this a lot. I just came off of like a three week book tour and explaining to folks that even if somebody wants to eat plant based, like that's not what I recommend for optimal human health. But there are things that we can all do to get healthier from the start. And mm -hmm. the first thing is to change the fats and oils that we're eating. So even before I talk about something like grains, which mm -hmm. is obviously kind of like the pivotal element of a paleo diet, right? It's right. like it's grain free. But I think just from a an inflammation and optimal nutrition and what's probably the most horrible, most insidious uh, nutritional offender <laughs> in our diets is bad quality oil. So mm -hmm. I'm talking about soybean oil, canola oil, corn oil, vegetable oil in general. Mm -hmm. And then specifically, obviously, as folks know, hydrogenated forms of that, um, heated and rancid forms of that. Any, like the reason fried food is so bad for us is not just because we're cooking things in oil, because we can fry food in coconut oil or lard mm -hmm. uh, or even butter or olive oil for that matter at this point, um, or a blend of those things. And it's really not the frying that's the problem. It's mm -hmm. the oil itself. So um, those oils become highly inflammatory. They're, they're high, um, they're highly polyunsaturated. So I don't know how much we want to get into, and I'm sure you know the chemical nature of these fats and oils, but but for your listeners who probably a lot of them are into paleo or may eat paleo or mm -hmm. dabble in it, um, the reason why we say to avoid those oils is that they're not stable against the insults of light, heat, and air. And what happens when we throw those things in a fryer, and this is where I'm like the total downer about sweet potato fries at a restaurant, <laughs> and it, it doesn't mean that I never eat them. It just means... I'm aware of this, and mm -hmm. that's really my goal for people to be aware of it. Those are typically going to be fried in these horrible oils. Right. And it's not like, oh, it's killing you every time you eat it. But over time, you know, time and intensity of how much right. of this you're eating. So, <laughs> so you can't just like throw it all away and be like, well, it's sweet potato fries because it's not <laughs> the fries, it's the oil. So I want for people to change the oils that they're eating, get rid of like the buttery spreads, get rid of the vegetable oil, the, um, Crisco, all that mm -hmm. stuff that's not real. And that's something that everybody can do. You right. know what I mean? That has nothing to do with eating paleo. And a lot of people like our parents are probably not interested in going paleo. Most of our parents are like, you're ridiculous. <laughs> I've been eating this stuff my whole life. I'm fine. Um, and, and maybe they can get it. Like maybe they'll try the gluten-free thing. Like my mm -hmm. parents definitely at home have a lot of gluten-free stuff now because mm -hmm. I think they just probably feel better eating it because they wouldn't do it. Right. They didn't notice anything. Um, but, you know, really focusing more on processed foods and the stuff that's kind of more basic, because mm -hmm. if we go down this rabbit hole of talking about all the problems with grains, inevitably you end up proselytizing about something that may or may not really be affecting people around you. We mm -hmm. all have a little bit of a different constitution and some people can eat gluten containing grains and, and not feel ill effects of it. Mm -hmm. We don't need to go up to everybody and tell them they're doing it wrong. If they're like healthy, I feel and, good. Yeah. <laughs> if they're not complaining about something. It's really the, the difference is when they've got something going on and they're like, what can I do? That's when people are like, I don't know how to explain this to you here take her book, you know? Um, right. And that's kind of the point of it too. It's not to be like dictating. Here's what you have to eat for the rest of your life, but how about we get you feeling better? Um, so that was a long answer to a short question. But <laughs> But it is about um, the fats and oils. And then I do get into things like um, gluten and grains um, and getting rid of sugar and getting rid of soy, um, dairy, 
uh, and then legumes in general, which I think are probably some of the least offensive for most folks. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. eating black beans is probably not what's causing the most problems for people. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. Um, and then how much do you, <laughs> I love this, this is awesome. How much do you get into, or do you ever get into with people quantities? So I know like you've experimented a little bit with macros and different, I know that's, you know, a very popular trend right now, but what are your thoughts on that? So, um, one of the things I did do in the new edition of the book is kind of talk about balancing your plate in different ways and for whom those different balances might work. And I didn't actually talk about it in protein, carbs, and fat in macro ratios. I talked about it in like the actual food on the plate. So this percentage of your plate is protein. Um, this percentage is non-starchy veggies and this percentage is starchy veggies just okay. to show people how that plate's going to look. Um, but I don't get into it a lot because I really think that even when you, even when you work with a macro program, inevitably there are nuances to how everybody feels eating that way. Mm -hmm. And I've personally found that following a program that's created for a large number of people, that's very specific. So, mm -hmm. um, the 21 day sugar detox, for example, or even one of the meal plans in practical paleo, there's like 14 different meal plans in there. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not telling people exact quantities because I have no idea how, how big you are, you know, how active you are or not. How much does it take for you to feel full and satisfied? And I think that if we're prescriptive about that stuff, sometimes it becomes, it becomes where the person goes on autopilot to following that plan and loses touch with their own intuition and paying attention to how they feel. And so giving people lists of foods to eat and avoid, you know, within that you have to, you have to listen to your body more. But if you're telling me eat exactly this much, I mean, what happened to me on the recent experiment with the last plan I was following, they had me, you know, eating maybe five or six small meals throughout the day. And the calorie counts were obviously pretty low for each of them. And I remember a few days into the program, which look with any program, the third, fourth and fifth day are kind of the worst. Like mm -hmm. I know that because I run a program and I've seen it happen for years, mm -hmm. but I was like laying down multiple times throughout the day. My mm -hmm. husband was like, honey, are you okay? <laughs> like, What's going on? And it was really like, I was trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. My body does not feel good eating just basically small snacks all day. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was back to how I was feeling with the granola bar and target, you know, I was back to that low blood sugar feeling and I really need more substantial meals and I could ball up the quote macros for the day into mm -hmm. fewer meals and eat the same macros, but you know, different timing throughout the day. And so for me, since I don't do one-on-one -on -one coaching anymore, and since I don't sort of deploy folks to do one-on-one -on -one coaching on my behalf, mm -hmm being really prescriptive about nutrition. Um, it's not an avenue I want to go down. I also think, you know, I think it's cool to let people experiment with this stuff, but I see too many people just kind of, um, relinquish responsibility mm. to a program and ignore the signals their body is giving them. And mm -hmm. because I'm <laughs> so strong willed, I quickly will be like, Nope, this isn't working. I don't <laughs> feel good. Right. And I know the difference between I don't feel good because I'm just maybe not eating as much as I want, you know, or mm -hmm. maybe I'm not eating the chocolate that I wanted, like not that kind of not feeling good, but really my body was just not fueled properly. And so, um, 
you know, that's not something that I get into, but I do try and help people understand how to build their plate, how to put a meal together, you know, I'm, I'm cool with mm-hmm. telling you, you know, with helping people do that. But I do think that like the nuances of how many ounces of everything we should be eating. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's stuff that we really do need to figure out for ourselves and I'm not interested in micromanaging any of that. Sounds good. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. And I, I think it does, it gets so individual that you really have to experiment on your own and figure it out. But once you have kind of the principles and to know where to start, it's kind of up to you to figure it out. Yeah. And I think having a good coach with that stuff, you know, it's hard, it's hard to know how someone's going to work out with you, but I think you need to know, like, how should I feel, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, I know I shouldn't feel like I want to pass out all day. Like that's (laughs) not a good way to feel on a nutrition program. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I can listen to my own body, but I think some people push through that stuff. They're like, well, I feel like I'm supposed to feel this way. And they don't speak up, you Mm -hmm. know? And so I need to encourage people to, um, you know, really look out for themselves. Sure. Um, maybe we can shift to talk a little bit about nutrition for the CrossFit athlete, the everyday CrossFitter, um, someone who might be working out in a class like four or five times a week, Mm -hmm. um, things that they might want to think about in terms of, um, like quantity, well, we talked a little bit about quantity, but like timing of different foods, maybe different types of carbohydrates or anything else that they might want to do differently than someone who maybe isn't training. Yeah. Um, so I, I think of this in a couple of different ways. Like on the one hand, CrossFit is intense. Um, and depending on your level, like if you're new to CrossFit and you're still not getting, you might be getting really sore from the workouts, but I remember when I was new to CrossFit, I was like, that was it that 15 minutes because I couldn't, I couldn't snatch a heavier weight or, you know what I mean? I couldn't really do what maybe my work capacity was because my movement capacity wasn't there. Like Mm -hmm. I couldn't do the right lifts or whatever. But, um, you know, if you're newer or if you're not training to that level, or if you're training at a pretty high intensity, Mm -hmm. but not maybe competitively, um, there's kind of two ways to go about it. And the one is, if you are training pretty hard, you do need to pay attention to the fact that especially like we're talking about challenges, especially if you, for example, do a paleo challenge. One of the things that I see people doing mistakenly is sort of accidentally going low carb. Mm -hmm. Like people get rid of all the grains and the bread and the pasta. And that's cool, sort of, because maybe you're getting rid of some inflammation or Mm -hmm. sugary foods. But you forget that you need to pay attention to your carbohydrates. And when it comes to potatoes and sweet potatoes and squash, it's not as easy to pack into the meal. Like Mm -hmm. bread and pasta are ready so much faster. Bread's already ready. You know, you don't have to do anything to it, but people need to remember to prep those sweet potatoes or to prep the squash or white potatoes or whatever it is that you're eating. Mm -hmm. And so I think that people accidentally go low carb and then they feel like their CrossFit workouts are suffering. And when I look at what they're eating, I'm like, well, you're not eating any carbs (laughs) Um, or they're eating some fruit, Mm -hmm. but not much. And fruit's fine, but we really want to get some of that starchy stuff in because that's what's going to replenish our muscle glycogen mm-hmm. more quickly um, and what's really ideal for us. So the way that I like for folks to time that ideally is after a hard workout. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of like 
Uh, it's kind of like filling up a gas tank. You've just emptied it in the workout. You've emptied your glycogen stores, depending on the type of workout that you've done. If you're doing strength training without metabolic conditioning, depending on the type of strength training it is, it may or may not be completely um, glycogen dependent. You may mm -hmm. be, if you're operating like a little bit lower intensity, um, you may be burning fat for fuel, but if you're depleting glycogen, you'll know because you'll feel it. You'll mm -hmm. feel really <laughs> low energy. You won't feel strong. Um, I want people to, after their CrossFit workout, to be eating carbs in that meal. And I don't need it to be rocket science. Mm -hmm. Like you work out, if you're working out in the evening, then it's in your dinner. If you're working out in the morning, I generally recommend that folks train fasted unless you are totally new to like real food eating and your blood sugar, like you actually think you might pass out in the middle mm -hmm. of the workout, you know, a half a banana is a good idea or something like that. A little bit of almond butter, like a tablespoon of almond butter and a half a banana just to get some fuel in you. But, mm -hmm. um, I typically train fasted and I've recommended that to athletes for years mm -hmm. and they inevitably they feel much better, especially if you train between like six, seven, eight in the morning mm -hmm. or five, six, because you haven't had enough time to really digest food before the workout. Right. Um, and you'll feel fine. But so then if you train in the morning, then in your breakfast, you're adding those carbs and so on. Um, and the reason for that is you're just replenishing what you've depleted. And let's just say, you know, I like to use this analogy. It's like a gas tank. So your car has just taken a long ride and now the tank's empty. You can park it in the driveway. So if you go to just sit and you don't do anything else, you're going to feel just fine because for the day, moving around, sitting at your desk, doing lightweight things throughout the day, you're not burning more glycogen. You're burning fat for fuel to do that stuff. And so your body, you're not going to feel bad. Mm -hmm. But when you go to drive again, you go to train again, you're not going to feel good at all because your tank is empty. Um, and that may not happen in one day. It may take a couple of days normally. Mm -hmm. That's kind of why the three to five day window of a challenge normally feels so bad is because it takes about three days or so to really empty that glycogen store. It's just what I've seen for people um, over the years. And so you might not feel it right away. If you started a challenge, you're like, I'm fine. I didn't need to eat carbs. And then day five, you're like <laughs> laying down for a nap and you're like, what happened to me? You need that stuff. And so I like for people to do it post-workout. It doesn't mean you can't have any before a workout, but ideally after is when your body is really hungry for it and you'll feel it. I mean, I feel it in my muscles. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, the carbs are going right through my muscles. I don't know. Do you get that way? Where you're like, my cells are hungry. Totally. I, I feel that way. It's like um, the Saturday or Sunday workout and then brunch afterwards. Like you just kind of know what your body needs. Yeah everything at yeah. that point. <laughs> um, so that's how I like for people to approach it. And um, usually the post-workout meal, if you're trying to balance what's going on, protein and carbs primarily in the post-workout meal, a little bit less fat. Um, if you're doing something before the workout, a little bit of protein, a little bit of carb, just right around the workout, you don't need a ton of fat. Mm -hmm. Like I said, almond butter and banana would be okay. Or a little bit of like deli turkey or something and some kind of you know, mashed sweet potato or something like that if you want to be eating real food surrounding your workout. Um, and that's stuff that I generally recommend. When it comes to shakes, I think that the average CrossFitter who is sitting at an office, you know, at a desk all day, mm -hmm. it really depends. Like, I think if you're relatively lean and you're not looking to lose a lot of body fat, which I feel like almost everybody's like, oh, I could be leaner. Everybody has this idea. <laughs> But, you know, but the truth is, like, not everybody does need to lose that much. Um, but if you're if you're relatively lean and you're training pretty hard, then a post-workout shake is fine. It's a good idea. You're mm -hmm. replenishing what you've just burned. 
Um, but for everyday folks who are sitting all day and then CrossFit's kind of the only real activity you have, I don't think that we need that extra nutrition. Like you basically just did what we need to do, mm-hmm. you know, like we're not winning any awards for the 20 minute workout. Like we don't need 300 extra calories, especially if your shake is something more than like protein in water, something very basic and Mm -hmm. not that high in calories. I think some people are going home and throwing almond butter in and throwing in a banana and throwing in all these calories, which is great for someone like my husband, who's kind of a hard gainer. Mm -hmm. He's that long lean body type and he needs that. And he's put on a lot of muscle mass in the last four (laughs) years. But for someone like me, it's not something I really need. I just need to come home and eat my meal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's something that you also kind of have to feel out. I know a lot of coaches are always recommending post-workout protein, which it's fine. But if it's not, if you feel like you're not reaching your goals, it may be more calories than you really need. And at some point that calorie balance does matter. Mm-hmm. And so you might want to do it in your post-workout window and then subtract a little bit from what your dinner would have been. You know what I mean? Like. You can't just add more food just because it's post-workout and mm-hmm. magically it's absorbed differently. It right. doesn't really work that way. <laughs> it's still and part of your me, total day. Yeah, it is. And for me, I actually, you know, I go back and forth. There are some days where I'll feel fine with that. Um, and then sometimes I'll do the post-workout shake and it doesn't, it doesn't like get rid of my hunger for any longer. Mm-hmm. I'm hungry just as soon after that. And I think liquid nutrition is a delicate subject. Some people do well with it and some people really don't. Right. Right. I think that's a good point. I think it's easy to get, you know, especially once you get into all these different trends or whatever everyone is doing, it's easy to get wrapped up in some of the details. And I think you make a lot of good points at the end of the day. Okay. Look at how you're eating before. How are you eating now? Are we getting rid of processed foods? You know, paying attention to how we feel. Um, those are probably the most important things. You know, I think it's important for people to recognize how intense a CrossFit workout can be on the one hand, mm-hmm. and on the other hand, not forget, especially if you're sitting all day, that like you didn't just compete in the Olympics. You know right. what I mean? Like right. you worked out, but that was activity that mm-hmm. you really needed to do. You mm-hmm. know, like there's, there's, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like I just see a lot of everyday average CrossFitters shaking up the protein shake. I'm like, why don't you just go home and eat some food and you're going to be fine. And yeah, anyway. Yeah. It's certainly, it's easier and more convenient for some people or if they're like eating on the way to work or whatever makes sense. But again, taking it into the whole picture of their, of your whole day. I think that's, yeah, I think that's a really important part and pay attention to how you feel with it too. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I don't, I don't really feel great um, drinking it. And some people might continue to do it because they think they should without really checking in with themselves. Like, does this make me feel better or not really, you know? Mm-hmm. Very good point. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to wrap up with three questions I ask everyone on the podcast. Um, so first one is three things that you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health. Um, I would say now, training in the morning first mm-hmm. thing that has been a game changer for me in terms of my day because I do work for myself mm-hmm. am I supposed to answer quickly because brevity is no. not my strong suit. no you can answer as long as you want <laughs> fire like final no. questions okay no, no, no. 
Um, that has been a game changer for me. I used to be a 6 p.m. CrossFit class yep. kind of person, but I have found I work out generally around 7 a.m. now. Mm-hmm. And if people are self-employed or if they're students and you have a busy day, we all know how it feels to get to 3, 4, 5 o'clock and not feel like training. Yep. And my day is just so much better doing this. My sleep is better. My energy throughout the day is mm-hmm. better. My attitude is better because I'm not, it's not weighing heavily on me that I haven't worked out. You know, like right. it's done. That has been a huge game changer. And almost a year ago, I started doing that. It's just amazing. I love uh, that. I I wish I could do that. <laughs> right now, my schedule is not in a place where I'm able to. And so I end up working out a lot late in the evenings. And I, I do. Like most of the times, I have to drag myself to gym because I don't want to be there. And then I'm there. And I, of course, feel better afterwards. But then I'm like awake and not ready to go to bed. So... Yeah, I totally agree. In the perfect world, working out first thing in the morning would be the way to go. And I think, and I think too, like there are people where you really cannot change your schedule. Mm-hmm. Like you have classes or whatever it is. But I think a lot of people will say they can't and they can. So I think I would challenge people to rearrange parts of their day. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that you can, but you know, and then as soon as you have that open window where you're like, can I make a decision yeah. that I would take, do this at this time or do this and and just like kind of take control of your day. I think especially for people who are self-employed. I used to laugh. I was like, those people are crazy with their early morning workouts. I can't be, I can't be lifting weights that early. Yeah. I used to just think I couldn't move weight in the morning. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't be able to get under a barbell. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's change. You have to kind of take it until you make it. You have to right. just like do something easy at first and just get in the habit. And now I set out. So here's the other thing that yeah. I do also. Um, well, this is kind of. Um, I guess it's along the same lines, but for me, having some kind of commitment that I have to keep to, so I'm not the type of person who will oblige to commitments. Like mm-hmm. I'm a rebel. So I'm like, ah, whatever. <laughs> but we, I have to write down when I need my car in the morning because our garage is a tan- multi-tandem garage. We live in an oh, apartment wow. building in San Francisco and there's an attendant who moves the cars, but this is definitely one of the things that, um, like I have to write down that I'm taking the car at seven and then I have to move the car because someone might be behind me right. has to go like seven fifteen or seven thirty, And so like, I can't just not go. <laughs> I mean, I don't feel well. I can be like, honey, can you move the car? But that really doesn't happen. And so I think, you know, setting up a scenario where it's like, you have to show up, like mm-hmm. there's some commitment. I've heard of people, um, like saying they would put money into a bucket like if they didn't do the thing they wanted to do Mm -hmm. that would work them anyway um okay so three things what is I answering (laughs) so two more things that you do that have a positive impact on your health um okay so this might sound really corny but I would say I'm extremely conscious and aware of um how I treat my husband Hmm. And I think that that has a huge impact on my health because it impacts my happiness and his mm-hmm. happiness. So when we first started dating, we both did like the love languages quiz. Oh, I love that. <laughs> we did that too. People ask me all the time, like, you know, what are marriage hacks or whatever? And <laughs> like, we're really happy. We're a really happy couple. We really like each other. People <laughs> like being around us because we like each other and we treat each other nicely. And I think, um, I think that's a really big part of uh, keeping myself healthy and happy mm-hmm. because, you know, I always assume the best, like he, if he like breaks a dish, which sometimes he does, <laughs> or, you know, something happens, I don't just jump to this assumption that 
like he's trying to upset me because obviously that's not true. And I think a lot of people are quick to get angry Mm -hmm. and I'm not like that. And so um, I think that's something that's really has had a good positive impact on my health. I love that. Um, A third one. (laughs) Why is this so hard? (laughs) Um, There's probably just too many. (laughs) I think. Well, okay, so this is probably a good one. I mean, a lot of it just has to do with mindset, but I think um, letting go of dietary dogma is is a big one. And look, I wrote a book called Practical Paleo, so people very quickly want to put me in that box of mm-hmm. like, well, don't you eat strict paleo all the time? And I don't. Um, I eat white rice from time to time. I eat, you know, steel-cut oatmeal from time to time. I don't eat crap, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I really... I stay away from stuff that like, you're not going to find me in Whole Foods and like, look in my cart and be like, Oh, we got her. Yeah. They're for my husband. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I practice what I preach, but I, I do think that um, dropping the dogma is really freeing. I think that some people associate a lot of um, guilt and shame around not following a certain way of eating that they somehow assume or believe is the right thing to do. And it becomes religious. And I think it's important not to let that happen with food. Mm -hmm. Because even as you were saying about challenges, for example, having to say no to social engagements because of food, like, if you're saying no to things because of food choices, okay, if it's week one, and you're just feeling really unsure, totally understandable. But as it gets on, like we need to be able to move through our lives and Mm -hmm. not say no to people that we love and care about, you know, and want to spend time with. Now, if it's people that you don't actually want to spend time with because (laughs) they want to like live and promote an unhealthy lifestyle, then a challenge might be a perfect way to get out of, (laughs) you know, spending time with them. But, but realistically, um, I think dropping the dogma is really important. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Was that just, that that. was the first question. Yeah. Okay. It's good. No, I normally get some good tangents and a lot of good stuff out of that. So that was awesome. I liked those. I have not heard the um, one about just being more aware of how you treat your husband. I really like that. Um, Second one is one thing that you think would have a big impact on your health, but you have a hard time implementing. Um, (laughs) this is funny. Um, I'm not the neatest person. <laughs> and I re- like it has been a struggle since I'm like a preteen. I mean, mm-hmm. ask my mom. She was always after me to clean up my room. Mm-hmm. And I really think it would help because when I do buckle down and do the tidy up thing and yeah. life change, life ch- magically life change myself with yeah. my tidying up, um, I feel better. I feel calmer. Um, but it's really hard for me to get there because mm-hmm. I don't. I don't value that as much as I value other things. Like Mm -hmm. I've learned that this is why I don't clean up more or I don't just quickly pick up because I value, I don't know, responding to someone on Instagram and being, being present for, for them and answering Mm -hmm. a question or I value, um, you know, agreeing to, to do three interviews in one day. I value that more than Mm -hmm. the time it would take for me to clean up. I 100% am on board with you. And it's been so, it's so funny that you say that because it's been such a source of um, misunderstanding between myself and my husband since we started living together because he's very neat and very organized. And that's something that he values a lot. And Mm -hmm. I definitely don't. I'm like, well, I'd rather get an extra 
15 minutes of sleep yeah. or I'd rather, you know, do this extra thing and it doesn't bother me. But for him, it bothers him a lot when things aren't tidy. So that's been a good kind of compromise. And I do, I, I think he's helped me be more organized and I do feel mm-hmm. better when I am. Um, it's just not always my you know, the way that I want to do things. <laughs> I, I have told him, like, my husband is, he's kind of amazing at, like, it's because it bothers him more, honestly. Yeah. I'm like, if this bothers you this much, then go ahead and wash those dishes. I would get to them eventually. I lived by myself for many years. Yeah. And I didn't live under, I wasn't living like a hoarder or anything, right. you know. Um, but I did outsource my laundry at the time. I was yes. traveling a lot and I used to drop my laundry off somewhere. But, you know, he runs out of exercise clothes before I do. So he ends up doing the laundry. I'm like, well, if you had more gym clothes, uh, you could probably last a little longer before you would need to do the laundry. But, um, you know, it's not, it's honestly, it's something that I would probably, if I were on my own, I would probably pay someone to do as much of it as possible because Mm -hmm. I would rather spend my time doing what I'm really good at, Mm -hmm. which is working and like better at that than I am at cleaning up. But I I do like it and it's calming. And I listen to podcasts while I put laundry away or, um, you know, if I, if I do dishes (laughs) (laughs) once in a while, you know, but I I do a lot of cooking, so it's all right. But yeah, that's something that I really think would, would help me feel better, but I'm always working on it. Like always. Very good. But I feel guilty about it. (laughs) Me me too. Me too. We'll work on it. We can't get um, it everything, Julie. I know. That's what my mom always tells me. She's like, because my room was always messy. And she's like, you can't be perfect at everything. Your room can be messy. Oh, my gosh. I wish my mom would have said that. But yeah. it didn't It didn't matter that she didn't say that because I still didn't really clean it up. Yeah, yeah. She used to say to me, this is amazing, as long as there's a path to your door. So, like, if there's an emergency. Yes. Back then, there would be clothes everywhere. It's not quite so bad now. But she would say, just make sure there's a clear path to your door. For whatever yeah. reason, she was somehow freaked out <laughs> that there would be, like, a fire and I would trip over all these clothes and not be able to get out of my room. That's good. Crazy. Safety first. Safety first. Totally. All right. Last question is, what does a healthy life look like to you? Um, oh, that's a good one. I think, and this is something I would say that I'm, like, always striving for, but I think a healthy life is one that aligns with your values. Mm -hmm. So for me, um, and this is, you know, it's something that I'm striving towards and always working on, like with my team, for example, work-wise, but um, I don't want to feel anxiety about the work that we're doing. And I don't want to feel pressured by it because I've chosen it, right? I'm Mm self-employed. So there's no reason for me to be unhappy with the things that we're doing because I'm the boss. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really about like, living with that integrity of like, what do you say you value and what really makes you happy and doing the things that align with that. Um, and I think that that makes you both happy and healthy. Like I I can't be living out of alignment with who I want to be, who I say I am. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think those are the things that really matter to me, like treating people well and, um, remembering that that stuff is at the end of the day, like what someone will remember about you, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, how did they feel when they were with you? And I think, all of that contributes to a healthy life. And I don't, I don't think that it's mostly about food or it's mostly about fitness. You know, I think it's about like who you are as a person Mm -hmm. and kind of, um, for me, it's also somehow like the example I set because of the work that I do and the Mm -hmm. position that I have with, you know, people looking to me for advice. And I'm sure this is obviously happens with you as well. Like 
I really want to make sure I, I do practice what I preach and, and I don't focus mainly on the food that I eat when I say that. Mm-hmm. Like, even though that's what people seem to know me for the most, I would rather people know me best for living my truth, mm-hmm. you know, and, and acting out of integrity and like just being a good person, even if they don't like it sometimes. I mean, I have a lot of people who do not like the way that I answer questions or the way that I push back at people and things like that. But I still want to be like who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that keeps, I think that that keeps you healthy and happy. Absolutely. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I know the second edition of Practical Paleo is out now, so people can check it out. What else can they check out or where can they find you? Um, So I've got a podcast every week as well, myself and Liz Wolf, who wrote Eat the Yolks. And we chat every week about health and wellness, so all kinds of different topics. We answer questions and all kinds of good stuff. Mm -hmm. We've been doing that for more more than five years, which is kind of insane. That's kind so of insane. Awesome. Um, and, and on the heels of that, we used to teach seminars together. We actually just now, and I guess uh, when this episode airs, it'll be in the near future from uh, the airing of this, we're launching the Balance Bites Masterclass, mm-hmm. which I'm really excited about because that's really the place where folks can come and be kind of in our inner circle and learn about nutrition from the ground up. It's like Practical Paleo meets Eat the Yolks kind of comes to life in a multimedia video course. Awesome. And um, we have folks asking all kinds of questions and this way there's a community and a place to learn about it. And so we're really excited about that. So that's kind of the big thing that folks can check out. But yeah, balancebites.com is the mm-hmm. name of the website. And um, yeah, you guys can find me all over social media and all that fun stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you again for taking the time. Um, I always love chatting with you and I'm sure people will get a lot out of this episode. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I'm about halfway through my 30-day nutrition challenge right now, and this time has really allowed me to take a step back to reset and think about my relationship with food. I loved my conversation with Diane about the utility of challenges and how different people might approach them in different ways. So if you decide to do a strict nutrition challenge, please let me know how it goes by posting a comment under this post on my website. To make sure you never miss an episode and to receive exclusive content from me, head to my website, juliefouché.com, where you can subscribe to my email list. Also, don't forget to share your stories. If you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please email me at info at I'll choose some of these inspiring stories to share here on the podcast in future episodes. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and consider giving the podcast a five-star rating on iTunes. Also, don't forget you can train with me by visiting beyondthewhiteboard.com slash juliefouché. I always love hearing your feedback, so please leave comments under this post on my website, juliefouché.com, and share your thoughts on social media with the hashtag JFHealth. Thank you again so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Pursuing Health. Pursuing Health.